Authors Over 50, Writing in Life's Sweetest Third. Authors Over 50's weekly podcast celebrates writers and their journeys to publication. Writing after 50 is a whole story on its own, so let's skip to Life's Sweetest Third and talk with authors about their journey from pen to publish. Welcome, I'm Julia Daly, your host, and I invite you to listen to interviews with writers who've achieved their goal of publishing a book just later in life. We've seen award lists for under 30 or under 40, but I've yet to see lists for those who've achieved a significant milestone of their own, launching a new career and publishing their first book after the age of 50. We will hear about these authors' inspirations, struggles, strategies, and the smell of that first book. These writers' journeys inspire me because I'm one of them. My guest today has more than 45 years of financial services and marketing experience. He's a graduate of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, with a BBA in business and economics. He's a published songwriter, poet, and now novelist. His debut book is titled Before Dawn, and he's currently writing a second novel, Innocent Murder. He's from Dallas, but now lives in Trophy Club, Texas. He's still on a honeymoon with a new bride, has two grown children and a golden doodle, Miles. Welcome to Authors Over 50, Robert Reeves. Hey, thank you. Nice to meet you and see you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Excited to be here. Our opening question, Rob, is always, so what took you so long to write your first book? (laughs) Hey, it hasn't been that long. I'm still a young guy, right? No, not really. But no, that's an interesting question. Uh, You obviously just, you know, uh, said that about me. I have a, uh, I've always had a creative side and I, but I've never, ever considered writing, writing a book before. Uh, but, uh, literally what happened is I had a dream one night. It sounds like a fairy tale or a book in itself. Right. But I had a dream one night. It was a totally different idea for a book, which I, I couldn't write because uh, Stephen King had already taken my story from me. So it had to be a good idea. Right. But anyway, I woke up one morning and I had this dream, uh, that I kind of woke up with and I started writing notes and going, you know, that'd be pretty great. I, you know, I guess I could. I could do that. Uh, why not? So I did, you know, literally started writing notes and outlining things and thinking about this book idea. And uh, then later, you know, about a, maybe two days later, I went to a Barnes and Noble and looked down and saw a cover of a book with the same idea <laughs> with Stephen's King name on it, but it didn't deter me or keep me from wanting. You know, I just sat down and started thinking of other things that might be interesting. And, uh, put some ideas together and I had already made the decision that I wanted to conquer that, uh, that task of writing a book. So it, it led to this Africa story. Well, your debut novel that I'm reading has a dangerous premise, human eating lions. What was your inspiration? Have you ever visited Africa? I have, I've been to actually exactly where this, takes place it's been a long time ago and i did not encounter any man any lions uh but what I, what i ended up doing i was literally sitting in my den at, at that time at another house and i had some african trophies and i'm sorry 
but they're from a long time ago. And I was going, you know what? I should do something related to, you know, I'm looking at what I'm looking at. I should come up with. So the, uh, the real story of the book is I've got some killers, you know, there's some killing going on and they just had the killers just happen to be lions. But the story is about finding those killers and, and getting, you know, and doing something about it and finding the right person for the job and all that stuff. So, uh, it's really a, a murder mystery without the mystery. You know who the, who the killer is, but all the, uh, the story is about finding the killers and then doing something about it. So I have been right to that area. I used maps of, of, I have an old map from like 40 years ago that actually shows that, uh, you know, the villages that I talk about and visit and the, the distances are right. The weather's correct. You know, every, everything is, is, as true and accurate as I can make it. So it's based on, you know, for actually being there. Well, it's so interesting. <laughs> once, once you knew you had to write this book, how did you proceed? Did you search for an agent? Did you decide to choose a hybrid, a small press, or did you self-publish? I started uh, like maybe a lot of us who've never done anything like this before is I started Googling and reading and, uh, I have a, uh, you know, I bought, bought what's called what the writer's digest or, you know, and, and kind of a typical thing going to Barnes and Noble or some bookstore and get it, you know, and I started researching. Uh, I literally, I really truly didn't really know uh, enough about it to even know how long a novel needs to be, <laughs> needs to be. But, you know, I, I wasn't going to let that keep me from doing it, but I got, oh gosh, 80,000 words thousand words, a hundred thousand words. I don't, I guess I could do that. Uh, but it's, so what I did is I studied and do, do I get a publisher? Do I get an agent? I bought, bought some books. I Googled some books. I, you know, downloaded numerous uh, in, in my little Kindle <laughs> app and, and just studied. And I did, but I did start with you know, learning how to query uh, publishers. And of course, one of the first things I realized on fiction, you can't just, you know, you have to really have the book written. And I went, oh, that's okay. I can't even really do much until I've written the, <laughs> written the book or, or about to be through with the book because that's one of the first questions. They want, you know, it's not a, it's not a, uh, uh, you, know, a you know, it's a fiction story. It's got to be written. So, uh, I started querying. I waited till I, you know, finished the book, which took a long time. Uh, but during that time, I uh, took some courses and classes. I called people. I wrote letters to people. I googled and wrote a bunch of query letters and whatever, and found out that no one, no one was going to really talk to me. So I ended up with a uh, hybrid. Uh, very, very pleased that I did. They did a really good job, Fulton Books, uh, and. They led me, you know, a lot of the way, but it was all research and persistence and just kind of figuring it out, you know. Well, I've heard several, many actually authors talk about receiving this information about their book in a dream. And since your dream was already taken by, by Stephen King, did you dream again? How did you come up with the plot of your book? No, uh, and that's interesting too. No, I, uh, the, the dream and that not be able to write the book that I wanted to write just kind of led me. I was, 
in my mind, I had already decided that I could do something. Uh, so the idea came again from just thinking about Africa, what, what would make that interesting. And I started with, okay, manning lines. Okay, well, that'd be kind of great. And admittedly, I mean, the book now is like 96,000 words, which is still a long novel. It was about 120,000. Uh, and I had just done way too much, you know, for someone who didn't even know if he could get to 50,000, I was at 120,000 and I got some good advice from one of my query letters. I mean, I, you know, when you do a query, you send out, uh, it differs by agent or publisher, but I, in some cases it was three chapters. Some cases it was a couple thousand words. Sometimes it was, you know, whatever. And I had a, late, a very nice lady come back with an idea saying, you know what, you know, hunting stories and killing animals, and you gotta be kind of careful with that because you're gonna be eliminating a lot of your, your possible uh, audience. So I went, I went back and edited, like, like I said, about 30,000 words out of the book, which kind of, took a while to be mentally to be able to do that because I'm going, man, I just, how many hours, how many days, but I saved it. Maybe it could, could become a short story or something later or something, but the, uh, I literally took out anything that was hunting related and let, and there's no real hunting except hunting for the killers, which would be like in any other, uh, uh, James Patterson book or something else you're reading about how to find your, your killer. Uh, and so I took out all that other stuff. So it's not a, it's literally not a book of, of hunting stories. Uh, uh, so anything I did out in the bush was related to either finding the lines or creating the suspense or letting the reader know what kind of what the area looks like. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's very suspenseful. Since you are a songwriter, Rob, are you already planning the song for your book adapted to film? Because I just wow. saw, I just saw that Taylor Swift wrote a song for Where the Crawdads. Yes, mm. yes, and the answer is no to that. To that, but I would be thrilled to do that, and I uh, that would that would be uh, that would be a thrill. My again, it took literally five years or so to write this book, which is not not proud to say, but I had so much all around. Uh, I mean, I had to, had to learn a lot before I could, you know, I was, anyway, it takes a while to do things, especially trying to self-teach yourself. But my sister who lives in Colorado had always told me, I need Tom Selleck needs to be the, the you know, he just needs to be a movie. Well, as it turns out that the lead actor, the lead person is, would be too, you know, too young for Tom to play, but you know, but I'd still be thrilled. <laughs> but, the same thing happened for, for me. I, when I wrote my book, if I th think back to when I wanted to write it, you know, about 40 years ago, the actors oh, and actresses were totally different go. characters and the ones who would play it today. So yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's, and that's your, so your second book will probably happen a lot faster than your first. Yeah. I, I found I, that out. I now know, of course, you know, a lot of little things that I, a lot of big things that I didn't know then. So I'm purposely, uh, and that's any new writer to get a head start by <laughs> learning what I learned over the, the, the years that I wrote this book. You, 
need to be thinking about your audience. You need to be thinking about what voice you want to write the book in because some are more interesting than others, other ways to do things. And, you know, locations, all that kind of stuff could be, can make everything more interesting instead of figuring it out. Uh, so, yeah. Do you have a writing routine? Are you a morning person or a night person? I, I'm a morning person. Uh, truthfully, during the, you know, this, this book that we're talking about, I, you know, because I have a full-time job. Uh, I still work. I still work pretty much full time. Uh, so, uh, once you, I have found uh, for me, once my day gets going and other people are contacting me about stuff and this and that, or my mind is now thinking about everything else I got to do, it's hard to sit down. Hard for me to sit down because now I've got. I know I need to answer a couple of emails, but I really need to write three hundred words or 500 words. I put myself on a regiment of finally when I was you know, on this book, I have a, a uh, my own website where I was blogging uh, every day. Uh, not the whole story, but part of the story. So I would make myself write three to 500 words so I could put it in my blog. And, you know, even 300 words a day, you know, a couple thousand words a week. You know, now you're 8,000 words a month. <laughs> so you could do a novel in a year uh, if you just just set the, set the pace. And, yeah, so now now with the second book, I'm doing it in the mornings. I get up, uh, you know, like from 6, now from 7 to 9 is my writing time. And then I'll let everyone else kind of take over after 9 o'clock. But, but now I've gotten stuff done and, and out of the way. Yeah really like setting a goal um, for words. And I took the NaNoWriMo challenge in November, the National Novel Writing Month. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. And that's 1,667 words every day. And that is difficult, very difficult, but it will give you 50,000 words in a month that you at least have something to edit. That's awesome. I uh, I took a writing course. Uh, uh, again, this whole adventure has been like, well, I don't know what voice it needs to be in. I don't, you know, I never thought of that. I don't know. So I took, I've taken several, uh, but the uh, master class, I guess, is the, 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 the bigger, I mean, I've read some books too, but I did a James Patterson uh, novel writing class, which is, of course, right where this book is kind of fiction-wise. And he talks about outlining and, and pace and doing all this stuff. And my second book, which thank you for, me for mentioning that, uh, came from that class because in that, and I recommend that for anyone, uh, it's, uh, they have you write like a thousand word first opening chapter to kind of get an idea and then build an outline of whatever from that. And from that, you're off and running. So that's that's where that I you know a lot of my knowledge has come from from taking master class and James Patterson and some stuff like that, which has has you know been a big help. Yeah, classes have been online for the last couple of years, and it really makes it an easy thing to do that we can you know take classes from around the country. So that's very yeah. helpful. Well, and for new authors, again, I still am one. Uh, I did little things. I'd go to the library. Uh, there, you know, of course, my where I live, there are lots of libraries, there are a lot of suburbs. 
uh, but some libraries have writing groups that meet. Uh, I Googled, you know, online classes that I could take. I, I'm, I'm, of course, in Dallas, Dallas area. SMU's got writing programs. A lot of universities do. But then I found master class that for almost nothing I could take from, you know, best-selling authors and get get this wonderful, you know, teaching uh, at my pace. And I could do it middle of the night if I want to. That's yeah. most helpful. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the premise of the book and then read a few paragraphs for us so that we okay. can hear your voice in the book. Wow. Okay. Uh, Again, the premise, uh, I want it to be something murder-related. So uh, it's about three man-eating lions that are in the part I'm going to read here in a minute. Uh, talks a little bit about that. Uh, but you got three man-eating lions that are attacking and killing, and we don't really know how many they have killed. There are uh, several stories of some happening in the book that, that I talk about. Uh, and mention of others, but uh, again, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, you've got villages of uh, Africans that are being uh, killed, uh, and the, the the Kenyan government wants to do something about it. It's bad for tourism. It's bad for everything. It's of course just bad for the, the you know population. It's killing people. They're citizens. So they they uh, end up hiring and asking the, our lead. Character's name is Dr. Charles Henley. He goes by Buana Kifaru, which is uh, Swahili for Mr. Rhino. This is where it starts getting interesting. We've got an ex-wife who is also a Dr. Henley, but she's a veterinarian uh, at, at the uh, uh, San Diego Zoo in San Diego. Uh, he is a doctor of biology and botany, so he's an uh, ex-professor. The Kenny government comes to Meredith, his wife, ex-wife, to ask him, <laughs> ask Juana Kafaru or Charles Henley if he will help capture or you know get rid of these man-eating lions. Anyway, so that brings his ex-wife in and daughter Claire. Uh, and obviously, Doctor Henley takes on the the, the task and uses uh, his lead hunter Miles Peterson and Macaulay, his uh, lead tracker or leading. Hunting, hunting assistant, if we were going modern day with it, but he tried, anyway, an African from that local area. And the three of them go go off and search and find and, and hopes and a lot of things happen along the way. And they want, the government wants him sent to uh, the zoo in San Diego, bringing in Meredith Henley to research and find in it, you know, find out why in the world the lion goes from being a normal lion to being a man-eater, what makes a, a lion a man-eater? So that's what the whole study is about. So that the intent of the book is to capture and send them to San Diego Zoo. And uh, you'll have to read to find out if it works or not. <laughs> so, but, but no innocent lions were killed in the writing of this book or any other animal, so. Well, read for us and let us hear it. <laughs> okay. Um, this is just early in the book. I mean, I, you know, if you read, if you got start going through it, and I know you have, there aren't, you know, there's many suspenseful, uh, some of them are more, you know, we're talking about man-eating lions here. So there's a little, it's, 
little gruesome some places. I'm not reading the gruesome part, <laughs> but it's got to be uh, got to be realistic. Uh, I did realize all the way through this. I have a 94 year old mother, and I knew that my mother would be reading this probably. <laughs> and so I got to be careful what I say and what I do. But it's got to be it's got to be real, or realistic. So anyway, this is this is uh, uh, actually chapter three. Uh, we've got Dr. Charles Henley actually on a safari. We're not going to go on safari with him, but it, this is how the, the lions are introduced uh, part of the way uh, in, in the chapter three. Uh, it's 5.10 a.m. I am startled awake by the loud squawk of my two-way radio. It is the Kenya game department. I am given the horrendous news that a pride of three manning lions has been discovered. They are on a killing spree and are very close to our present location. It is the last few days of May, and this is the second week of the two-week safari of our three guests from Indiana, Tom Wilson, Red Jackson, and Dan Jenkins. My lead professional hunter, Miles Peterson, is with us. We are hunting on a private ranch in the southwestern area of Kenya near the town of Maghor, which is just west of the Maasai Mara game reserve and barely north of the Tanzania border. Having just received the, the alarming news of the nearby man-eaters, I am unable to return to sleep. What do I do? How do I handle this? How do I protect my clients and staff? It is one hour before dawn that the morning silence is shattered by the sound of animal cries, a woman screaming, and a rifle blast. Oh my God, no, 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 I scream, jumping from my bed. I throw, I throw on my trousers and boots, grab my open sight 375 and run outside, not knowing what I am about to encounter. I can tell that the gunshot came from around the, er the area of the dining tent. Miles is running toward the campsite, right toward the gunshot. What is it? He yells at me. I don't know. I yell back. And through the darkness, we see Macaulay waving his arms and running in my, in my direction. It's okay now. It's okay now, he says. As he reaches me out of breath, clan of hyena, get in pen of chickens. We, we bring on hunt. They kill three, but I shoot at hyena. Me miss, but I'll run away, he adds. Was that our cook, Jaji, screaming? Is she all right? Yes, Buana. When I hear noise, I make her stay inside. She's scared. She screamed. Me think Simba, Buana. Well, Rob, you know, I was going to take some grandchildren to Africa for their senior trip, but you've given me pause about doing that. <laughs> uh, now, uh, I have, you know, I've, uh, been very, there's been some promotion going on now as far as trying to get some book sales, and I don't even know exactly how it's all turning out. But when the, the book first came out, I have, uh, of course, friends on, on Facebook and college buddies and high school buddies and business buddies and all that and uh, male and female. Uh, and, you know, my daughter uh, put a little thing out on Facebook. So anyway, some sales happened and people started reading it and I've had numerous people say, okay, I'm not, <laughs> you know, uh, there's one little scene where a guy is changing a tire in the Maasai Mara game preserve and the lions come out of the, the grass and grabbing. So I've had comments like that. Well, you know, I can't sleep. You know, I've heard that 
story about a lion grabbing me coming out of the grass. Well, you know, stay out of the tall grass. <laughs> well, you made it very realistic and that's what you well, wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of publicity and marketing, you um, have a background in that. Have you found anything that works or maybe that didn't post-publication? What have you been doing? Uh, my, uh, and that's, I think, maybe a good thing, a good reason to have an hybrid, a hybrid-type publisher. So I, I'm actually, uh, you know, nothing's free anymore. If You know, I have done some, some Facebook posts, and I have Instagram, and I have a my own author website and uh, and that blog that I've been writing for years and I already had a following because it's somewhat uh, from the, from the blog. So I have been able to generate a fair amount of activity just by using my own, whatever, but I right now have a, a campaign that started by, by my publisher Fulton uh, press releases uh, and uh, uh I guess Facebook ads in a way, but it's not really to sell the book. It's more to drive them to my, my author Facebook page. <clears throat> so, and create interest and they can read that and maybe and link that with my blog anyway. So it's kind of a process. Some of them myself and, and I have had to, I mean, you know, someone our age, my age, I'm a, I won't put you at my age, but anyway, you can always ask a grandchild or, a, or someone younger on how to, post things on Facebook. So I've had to do some, but yes, in my uh, insurance and I have an insurance and mortgage background. So I've already done things like that to create followers or whatever. So I had to create my own LinkedIn, my author LinkedIn and stuff. So I've met a lot of people online through uh, LinkedIn and, and Facebook that are author related. Do you still make time to read or do you not yes. have time to read anymore? <laughs> well, uh, I haven't. Uh, yes, I, I do. Cause I do it on purpose. Now I, I do it purposely. I mean, I, I walk into, here's a good example. I, you know, I don't have to do everything James Patterson wise, but something that's fiction. Uh, I'll, you know, if I'm at the bookstore, I'll first look down and go, okay, let's see what, okay. He's using we, we so he's not first person okay uh, here's one i could hardly believe okay so he thought it's first person <laughs> so i uh, part of my research was once i decided what how i was going to write this book is i read some books per on purpose from different a few different authors maybe not the entire book but enough to find out how to do things how to write the dialogue and all that uh, but i do i try to read james patterson john grisham's a favorite of mine too uh, he's of course more the lawyer legal side and all that, but it, but I love reading how descriptions are given, how you can, how to describe what the person looks like, where, where the location, you know, that's all about what I was trying to learn to do. I mean, if I'm in Masai Mara game reserve, how do I let you know that's where I am and how can you feel and smell and, you know, what, what, how would you be, what would you be seeing if you were there with me? So it kind of brings the reader into, into the story. Why? Well, yes, I absolutely read. That's important. Yes. I think it feeds us as writers to, to see what everybody else is doing out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rob, you are an Eagle Scout and I've never, <laughs> I've never met one who didn't impress me. How did choosing that endeavor at a, 
young age prepare you for life's challenges? Wow. Well, you uh, like kind of like deciding you're going to write a hundred thousand word novel. Uh, once I got involved with scouting, I knew I wanted to go all the way through and, and, you know, not just stop and, you know, so all the way to Eagle Scouts, a pretty big endeavor or it's a big endeavor. So, uh, I just learned not to, not to give up. So, or not to quit. It, it never felt like giving up, but it, there's always enough work to be done. I had to learn how to get it all done, do your schoolwork and, you know, and, and uh, get from one end to the other and come out as an eagle. So same idea. You start with page one <laughs> or the first word of your novel and try to get all the way to the end. Well, I think that's great advice. And our writers over 50 are a different set as well. And, and that's one great piece of advice to just keep plowing through until you yeah. finish. Do you have any other advice for writers over 50? Well, I, uh, if nothing else, just uh, don't let the the what seems what could be overwhelming, the thought of uh, maybe that was an advantage I have because I, I had at the time because I didn't really <laughs> I didn't know enough to be uh, to be discouraged. By now, of course, I I and I'm still going to write a second book. I've already started the sec second book, uh, but. It's a, it's a big endeavor, and, but it's not, if you take it little, little pieces, because we're talking about Africa, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you write a hundred thousand word novel? We used to do one word at a time, or in this case, maybe 300 words a day. Sometimes I'll look up, oh, I've already written a thousand words. You start, you know, you get, get into it sometimes. So yeah, my advice would be just do it. If you, if you had that, that interest. Uh, just watch this podcast and learn from people and then just jump in and do it. It, it can be done for sure. It can be. It's quite a challenge and, and very worthwhile. So thank you for your advice and your generosity and sharing with our writers and our listeners today. And we just appreciate your being here and so happy that you're now one of our authors over 50. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Please look for Authors Over 50 every Thursday when we will have conversations with accomplished debut novelists over the age of 50. Please subscribe and share with a friend. And check out my own publication journey after 50 at www. Dot Julia Daily, that's D A I L Y, like daily newspaper.com. Until next time, keep reading and writing. And remember, it's never too late to fulfill a dream in life's sweetest third.